How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Breakfast with the Boys, your weekly bite of college and professional sports. I'm your host, David, joined today by Drew, Stephen, and Alex. On the docket today, NBA playoffs, some MLB fantasy talk, and our top fantasy wide receivers. Any other big news before we hop on it today, guys? What is up? <laughs> Thanks, Alex. That's, that's right. That's right there. Big news right that's there, everybody. News. Listen, that's big news. Um, a huge shout-out to the U.S. Women's Soccer for getting a win to start off this Women's Big World Cup. Um, they're going for the repeat, and their third time being in the championship game. That's that's impressive. So uh, let's go, U.S. And also a big shout-out to India today in the, in the World Cup uh, for cricket. They beat Australia. Big win, big win. Them, New Zealand, as well as England, those are the favorites, just in case you guys are wondering. Out Is there. Jamaica still in it? I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought you were going a whole different direction with that whole shout-out to India. Shout-out to India. Shout-out to India. The homeland. That's it. That's the only <laughs> sport we go out. Let's go cricket. Cricket. Uh, I have not a whole lot going on. Uh, That's Stanley, huge news. That's huge news right it's, there. It's, it's bigger than what's going on. Um, Stanley Cup. Not Stan, on this Stanley side. Cup uh, is uh, championship. God damn it, Alex. Uh, they're playing tonight. Uh, the Blues. They're they're playing really good. They 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 figured it out. Uh, if anybody who plays uh, for the St. Louis Blues, if you listen to this podcast and took my advice last week, go ahead and give us a shout out. Dude, the reason why I do not watch hockey is because I was like, yeah, this series is over. It is O V E R, and now St. Louis is like uh, a game away from winning the the ship. Dude, I I, this is I, how I, this is how it goes. But to be fair, everyone said that about the Warriors. Uh, I still believe it's going to be Warriors in seven, but oh we'll get to God. that. Wow. We'll get to that. Right. That is that is Jeez, that is hot, hot stuff. Hot stuff. Uh, okay, last one. Sorry, David. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> everyone's favorite breakfast. Ready, set, go. That's Everyone's a bomb, favorite. dude. You can't do biscuits Chocolate. and gravy. Jesus, Alex, chocolate chip pancakes. Shout out to Cabin Twenty Two. I'm talking the apple oat cakes that have the sausage, the cheese, everything that you need in the pancake. Just throw a little syrup on top. Cabin Twenty Two has a great breakfast bowl, but as far as a general breakfast. Uh, Eggs Benny. Okay. Ooh, classic. I do have a funny story because we have a couple minutes here. So I was driving back today from the lake. No joke. Passing cabin 22 and... And Emily, we were sitting there without you. No. Wow. And Emily points and into the sky. No, no, no. Listen. Points into the sky. And the she's um, like, what is that? The There's an umbrella. One of their table umbrellas was in the air. Like like <laughs> above a house. It literally came down into somebody's backyard. And the only reason I knew it was one of Cabin 22 was because one of our favorite <laughs> waitresses was walking down the sidewalk just <laughs> looking up it. at it. Just trying to find it. And I was like, what is this? That's funny. funny thing is, That's some Mary Poppins shit right yeah, there. That's I what we said. arrived there as that happened. Oh, you went to breakfast without us is what you're saying. No, I got a beer before this podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Shout out Kevin again. Yeah. But yes, I literally arrived there as it happened. Nice. And I was like, well, this yeah. is an interesting Sunday. God, Steven's nipples are out and it's great. Can we just start the segment, boys? Yeah. <laughs> What we we, got do, we do put yeah. explicit before so, the NBA. We talking yes. NBA? I was like, NBA is technically the first uh, thing on, on the list here today. So as of right now, the Raptors are up 3-1, and game five is tomorrow night in Toronto. And guess who's coming back tomorrow? Willis Reed. Just kidding. It's Kevin Durant. But, I mean, he's going to pull a Willis Reed, and he's going to come back tomorrow. He got cleared to practice today, boys, and that's huge. It is huge. My only question is the just transitioning that. I mean, he's a great player. I think it'll be really easy for him to get back to what he does, right? 
but is it a little is it a little too late? And, and in my mind, I think it's a little too late for them. Um, I just I just the bench is really what worries me about Golden State. They're all shooting their efficiency. Their true efficiencies are all below that fifty percent. While everyone but Kyle Lowry is shooting above that efficiency of fifty percent. To me, that means that the bench is there, and benches only play better where at home. Um, so that's it. Clay's still not fully healthy. Yes, he had a great heroic game four, but that is what Clay does. He steps up when the when the team really needs him to. Remember game six against Oklahoma City a couple years ago. This guy, when it matters, and even against when they played Houston last year, he shows up in big moments. Um, and honestly, it's, it's just sad for Golden State because of all these injuries. You really can't say this, this title has an asterisk next to, next to it for me because of all the injuries. If Kevin Durant's there, the Warriors win and die. But Kevin Durant's not there. And then Clay gets hurt. Then Iggy gets hurt. DeMarcus Cousins barely healthy when, he's, when he is playing. Um, as we saw, he, he gave a great effort in game two, but wasn't able to repeat that ever again. And I just, I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to win three games in a row. I just don't see it happening. I don't think they and have the two energy. two of them in Toronto. We, we saw, and two of them in Toronto. We saw Steph just literally, he's tired. He, he, he's just not a big guy, and he can't handle the pressure of doing all this by himself. I mean, he almost got a 50 spot by himself. And but, he lost. But what I'm saying is, as soon as Kevin... This is what my thinking is, and I could be totally wrong, and that's the, beautif- that's the beautiful thing about talking with you boys, is that yeah, everybody has a different opinion. And mine is that as soon as Kevin Durant comes back, that is the Toronto Raptors' worst fear. They are, they've literally been thinking about this... For five games, they've been there. Like, oh my gosh, what if KD comes back? And I realize that KD hasn't played in over a month. But as soon as you know that Kevin Durant is in that lineup, your mindset changes. You're like, oh, there's a there's a killer on that other side. I don't know what he could do at any point in time. He could pull up. He could drive past me. He could dunk on me. He could make me look stupid. He could pass it off to somebody else and give a great play. You know what I mean? Like, and as soon as all of those guys get back on the court together, I'm talking Dre. I'm talking. Steph, I'm talking Clay, I'm talking KD. That's and a then, boost right there. And then Boogie, mm-hmm. who's and he might be half there, but he's there. If you get all five of those guys on the court together, that's mentally against the Raptors, I feel like the Raptors would have a take a step down. See, but a step down for three consecutive games. We act like time. that's we act like that's hard for the Warriors to do. No. But I don't think it's hard for them to do, but in history, we've only seen it done once. And yes, that happened two, three years ago, but in the history of the finals, only one team has come back from 3-1, and that was LeBron James, possibly the greatest player to ever play the game. And I'm sorry, I love Kevin Durant, and I do believe right now he is the best player in the NBA. He's not been playing for a month, and even when he was playing with Golden State and everyone was healthy, we saw them, they were hurting against teams that can play good defense. And I think Kawhi Leonard can shut down Kevin Durant. And I'm excited to see if he if Kevin Durant can play what he looks like against Kawhi. Because I truly believe Kawhi Leonard's defense, we haven't seen that type of defense since, I don't know, I can't even, I don't even know a player. Bruce, Bruce Bowen? Maybe, right? That guy's a defense, his arms are so long, his hands are so big. I mean, Bruce Bowen's a great example of a great defender, but he might just be above him even. I just yeah, don't know. I agree. But, so this is what I'm saying. So, so KD comes back, and even if KD isn't as effective as KD could be, if you put Kawhi on KD, which is what they're going to do, mm-hmm. that takes Kawhi away from Steph, that takes Kawhi away from Dre, that takes Kawhi away from Clay, because you can't, Kawhi cannot at that point leave Kevin Durant and help no. anywhere else. You no. can't, you can't play that that help style defense that they've been that they've been doing that 
boxing one defense oh, against geez. Steph Curry. Like, are you that kidding me? Get that defense. high school defense out of here. <laughs> Middle school defense. Middle, yeah, seriously. Can we teach that next year in our in our youth football? <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely we'll be coaching that that one, one. You know? yeah. But just, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. As soon as you get KD back in the mix, and even I, I'm the one that said that I thought the injury was way worse than they were even yeah, reporting. You're the one who thought he tore his ACL. Exactly. So you convinced or me. His, his, his uh, Achilles. I yes, thought it was Achilles. Achilles. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but even if he is just a standing piece, you have to guard the standing piece. And, and that's why you're alluding to Willis Reed, because, I mean, Willis Reed didn't come back and make that big of an effort. It was all about his, like, it was the emotional, uh, the emotions of having him be there. Um, for me, I just don't see Kevin Durant coming back 100%. And even an 80% Kevin Durant, I don't think that's enough to take them over the hump for three games in a row. And yeah. I think that's my biggest hurdle is three games? Two in Toronto? Yeah. That's tough, man. Yeah. Especially with Fred Van Vliet playing the way he's been yeah. playing. It's just like Toronto, that whole, like you mentioned in the beginning, just their depth, all of it, all of those guys are just playing like freaks right now. Like They're, they're playing insane. with confidence. Yeah. And, they're, and Nick they Nurse has instilled this confidence in them. And then Kawhi, as a leader, has shown that I don't care who wins, like who gets the most points. I don't care if Siakam does it. I don't care if Gasol does it. We're winning games because we're going to move the ball around. He's just... He plays different. He's cut from a different cloth. He is Michael Jordan. He is Kobe Bryant. He's that type of player. It, I truly believe he'll go down as a top 10 player. Mark my words. Quite, yeah, I'm marking him quiet. He's looking pretty fucking stoic right now. He's putting it in Toronto. He's putting it. That's a subject oh. for another day. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say. We if, just flipped the pancake over on that one. Talk about if, a ball buster. If Durant comes back, what he's going to have to do is he's going to have to outclose Toronto in three straight games because that's really been the difference for Toronto. I mean, since the Sixers series, basically. I was going to say that, since the is Bucks. That, is that? But I think like they're they're not here unless they know how to close games. They're not even in the Bucks series, let alone in this series. And they've just been able to like when it comes down to crunch time now for basically three straight series. Toronto finds a way to close games, and for the most part, they're out warrioring the Warriors. And even if KD comes back. I really think that Kawhi's just shown this ability, not just for himself to close games, but to set up his teammates to be able to close games. And as great as Kevin Durant is, I'm not sure that he brings that ability to the Warriors against a Toronto team that's playing really like at its peak right now. And again, we're not talking about like one game. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see Durant come back and just like ball out and they win one game. But you have to win tomorrow night in Toronto, then you have to win another game in Golden State. Then you have to win a third game in Toronto to do to make it happen. And yeah, like I said, we've only seen it once in history. And I just think that Toronto's too good. Kawhi is just in this like groove right now, and he's setting his teammates up to be really, really killed. A bunch and of killers out there. I do find it very ironic that we uh, we say that we're there's out warring the Warriors because they're shooting it so much better than the Warriors yep. are. And Kawhi it is, and it Kawhi had a game. Kawhi is shooting right now forty one percent from three, and then forty four point seven, I think, somewhere around that from the field. That means he's lights out from three point. Yeah. He's averaging thirty ten four and two steals. That is unbelievable. He is literally playing as the MVP yeah. of this finals. And right now, I mean, who else would you even consider? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do believe Kevin Durant is not going to play tomorrow night. 
and that I, I don't if he comes back that's great I'd love to see it but I think tomorrow night is the game this it's gonna close out we're gonna see Raptors get a championship and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be a great sight to see for Toronto and for Kawhi Leonard and for NBA fans around the world um, it's something fresh it's something new and it allows the the NBA to kind of not move on from the Warriors but now we can we can think other teams can win. Now yeah. we feel like, yes, this can happen. Yes, I know it, it, it was only because everyone got injured for the yeah. Warriors, but um, it, it's exciting for the fan bases around the world, besides the fans that are in Golden State. Right. I mean, and, obviously. I mean, and they've been talking, not to get like too far off, but that this could be like the last time that these Warriors are playing together. True. So, you know, the injuries maybe show us who the Warriors could be moving forward, which is still, what, maybe the second best team um, in the NBA. So it's not like... We're saying they're taking some huge step back. Yeah. But Toronto is playing, again, I haven't been a fan of the NBA for a long time, but I haven't seen a team play the way that Toronto has been playing lately. And against a team like Golden State, uh, who was like the big favorite in this, to be up 3-1. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, to come back, you just look, and just piggybacking off of what you said, David, you look at what Golden State did against the previous opponent, being the Blazers, right, and 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 what the Raptors did against the Bucks, you would think that it, it was it was looking super heavy on Golden State side, right, and then it comes in, and now here we are with the Bucks being, or excuse me, with the Raptors being one game away from a championship. It, I think, now transferring to what you said, Stephen, Steph's tired. Yeah, tired. He, he looks tired, and honestly, he's. I, I believed he was. It, it, coming into this series, I always gave him his respect, that I believed he was close to approaching the second best point guard of all time. This series has just shown me the guy can't play defense, and unfortunately, he can't play heavy minutes and carry the whole workload, unlike an Isaiah Thomas, unlike a Magic Johnson. Um, so I, I'm kind of disappointed in Steph Curry. I really wanted to see him take the step to becoming the second best point guard of all time. Um, and I just don't think he'll ever get there after this series. It's, it's kind of knocked him down in my book. Not say, he's the best shooter of all time, great player, top 10 basketball player in the world right now. And no, no knock on him. Give the man a no, no, no knock on him, but I just, when you think about players that can carry a team, unfortunately, Steph Curry's not one of those guys. He, they call him the Splash Brothers, okay? Mm-hmm. And Clay just hasn't been healthy since yeah. two games ago. Yeah. When he went down with the hamstring injury, and then they held him out for a game, even though he said he could come back, that's just the warrior mentality. I'm pardon the pun with the team name and everything, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, Clay is literally he he would have he said he's like my leg has to be hanging off for me not to play, and, and then and then Steve Kerr, you know, had to protect his own player. Oh, well, obviously, it's a hamstring that could easily turn into a, a horrible a injury a horrible injury very quickly so they had to not play him that and game. keep in mind choice, right this is what we gave the warriors credit for you know uh weeks and months ago is just how they can have these such great players and still play as a team that's what that's it's like look at these great guys and they're and no one's no one's taking all the credit nobody's trying to hold on to the ball too much <clears throat> harden and 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 they're playing so cohesively with each other. It's hard to stop something like that. But now we're seeing you well, get hurt, you get tired, pieces start falling apart. There is no one sole, you know, set of legs to sit on. They're all kind of falling apart. That's always been what we've always said is if one of them gets injured, 
and, and it always depends on which one of the ones gets you right, injured. Can, right. can they win a title still? Because they don't have depth like they used to. Right. This isn't the 73-win Warriors team or the Warriors team that beat LeBron the first time around. Um, they don't have that depth. And so if one guy goes down, they just cannot pick up the pieces for everyone else. Right. They don't have that talent anymore. Iggy is a little older. Sean Livingston's a little older. And after that, it's a bunch of no-names. I'm sorry, Quinn Cook, I love you. Um, and I love you, Kevin Looney, but you guys are not... You're not Fred VanVleet. You're not Pascal Siakam. You're not Marcus Gasol. You're not Serge Ibaka. You're a little bit below that. So yeah. that has always been the issue of the Warriors. That's true. All right, well, sweet. We're going to take our first break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit of MLB fantasy, and then we'll get to our top fantasy wide receivers. Welcome back to Breakfast with the Boys. We are going to talk a little bit about some fantasy baseball today. Uh, so Alex, Drew, and I are all in the same baseball league. Um, Drew actually is beating Alex and is likely going to get the big dub. Sucks uh, to suck. Which is always fun because our division is supposedly the worst division. So uh, Jordan's getting our first win this week too, which is dope. Stoke. And I'm getting, Jordan? I'm getting beat by my girlfriend. So, my significant um, other who's... With, with that... Alex, uh, you want to you want to lead us off a little bit of MLB fantasy baseball? Well, I mean, not in terms of fan. Well, I mean, this does implicate in fantasy as well. I'm ta- I just want to bring up the fact that Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell got signed this week, which is pretty big. Uh, Kimbrell big. going Kimbrell going to the Cubs as a relief pitcher or a closer, and uh, and Dallas Keuchel going to the Braves. Surprisingly, uh, I know the Yankees were in contention for him. That dude has a beard that is better than Drew <laughs> and David's combined. That's a big thing to have. It's huge. Yeah, and uh, the Yankees would have made him shave it. So I'm sure that was a contributing factor as to why he, I'm dead serious. I yeah. would not Clean go. shave. No. Clean shave when yeah. you play for the Yankees. Yeah, no, true. we're not boys, we're men. We grow beard. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently only men had uh, clean shaven faces back in the... 1950s. That, so. is, that is a true statement, though. I will not shit on that. That um, is a true statement. So so Dallas Keuchel in, in the Atlanta Braves organization, he's going to start in their AAA team tomorrow, actually. Uh, we're recording, recording this on Sunday. So tomorrow, as in Monday, when you guys are all hopefully listening to this, he will be pitching that day. So let's keep an eye out for that. Um, Kimbrell can really slide into any game because he's a relief pitcher slash closer. Um, but, I mean... Both of those guys are, are game changers right there. They're, uh, they're former MVP uh, contenders and winners. Um, these guys, these guys are they're, they're going to be really good for the Atlanta Braves and the, and the Cubs organizations this year and going forward. Uh, I know Keiko only signed a one-year $13 million deal. Uh, Kimbrell, though, is ready to sign with the Cubs, or he signed with the Cubs for four years, so he's going to be there for a while. Nice. Um, I do want to give a huge shout-out to Lucas Giolito. I mean, this guy, not only does he play for my Chicago White Sox, but he got traded from the Nationals organization to our organization when uh, we let... Robertson go I do believe and he came over and he had a rough year last year and and he was if you were to grade this prospect on it on an A to F scale he probably would have been a B rating at that point um, but I just want to say that he is nine and one this year in his last six starts he's gone for seven innings seven innings eight innings nine innings that's a complete game ladies and gentlemen five innings and seven innings okay He's only allowed 22 hits in those last six games, five runs, 
okay? Seven walks, all right? And 51 strikeouts. Jesus. This dude Jeez. is slinging the ball. He is li- he's using two pitches to his arsenal right now, his fastball and his curve or his fastball and his changeup. And just the significant drop off from the speed of his fastball to his curve or to his changeup, excuse me, are it's so drastic that it's just throwing everybody off and he he finally added that pitch into his arsenal. He was throwing this is where the curveball comes in. He was throwing a fastball and a curveball regularly, and people were blowing him up on that circle curve, circle change, whatever the heck mm-hmm. it was. It wasn't a pure changeup. And now he has that 97-mile-an-hour fastball, 69, 72-mile-an-hour changeup, yeah. and it's just... And if you're in a fantasy eight. league, you better go and pick him up right meow. Because So in the last seven days... He's gone from being owned in 39% of leagues to 83% of ESPN leagues. Like, the last seven days, he's taken a 43.3, like, addition rate. It's insane. And he's not even on my, you know, like, buy-sell trade list because he would be – you'd have to trade for him. Yeah, at this point. At this point. He's in almost 85% of leagues. Yeah, people have already caught on to Lucas and and, – just a huge shout out to him. I, I'm so I'm so pumped. <laughs> I'm so pumped that he's actually turning it around and he's just slinging it. It's good for him. Um, one other guy that I want to you know just throw out there, just a little peep, is Lourdes Guriel Jr. Uh, he's playing up in Toronto right now. He's up in Canada with those young Jays. Um, I know that they have the the big name. Vlad Guerrero, Ju- Vladimir Guerrero. Say, that's Jr. a pretty popular name. Very popular. Um, they also got. Uh, goodness gracious. We're gonna have to edit this part. <laughs> Last time you we, said that, we, we never, did not. We never edit it out. Yeah. We just we go live. This part out. Yeah. I literally I don't remember yeah. this guy's name. And that's okay. He obviously wasn't very good. Yeah. No, he is. He's just. Like, <laughs> oh, like, he's the son of a former Hall of Famer. Okay. Or not former. A son of a Hall of Famer. Yep. Playing second base, I just lit- it's his name is slipping my mind and it's gonna upset me so bad. But we're gonna get some regardless. Calls and that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Lourdes Guriel Jr., who is only owned in 33.1 percent of leagues right now. Um, he's batting 253, so it's pretty average. But he's on a four-game hit streak right now, and I'm just letting you guys know that this this young J squad is gonna catch fire, and this kid's gonna keep hitting. Like I said with Mercado a couple weeks ago, that he's. He's in this lineup for the next five to ten years, and you're going to get production out of this guy. He's got 12 runs on the year, four home runs, 13 RBIs. I realize he got sent down uh, to his AAA to get his mind right, mm-hmm. but since he's been back, this is what he's putting up. So I'm just telling you guys, if you need somebody that's only owned in less than 50% of your leagues, jump on Lourdes Guriel Jr. You weren't talking about Vladimir. Guerrero? Yeah, Junior? No, no. no. Okay, okay. Biggio. Biggio. Calvin okay. Biggio. See, I helped you out. Well, you, I thought you were talking about another Guerrero Junior, and he's a third baseman, but... Right, no. Biggio's second. Okay. But, yes, that's who I was trying to think of. Trying My to help goodness, out. and that makes me so upset. I can I cannot believe I couldn't remember that name. I'm sorry. Calvin <laughs> Biggio, if you ever listen to this podcast, I'm sorry, brother. You you deserve way more than that. <laughs> I can believe it. Alex is pretty forgetful. Yeah, that's true. Jeez. Awesome. So that's those are those are your, your kind of players to watch. 
Um, I have some questions just like we did, what about a month ago now? Was it podcast number one? I think we did this. We talked about some players that are on the added list, some players that are on the drop list. Uh, Alex is, at least for our team, the resident kind of MLB expert. Um, so just your takes on some of these guys. What's really funny is the top guy I was going to talk about, you already talked about. Uh, Lucas has been killing it over there uh, in Chicago. It's insane. Um, so some other guys that are on the, the ad list right now. Some guy who, who came out of nowhere, uh, Derek Dietrich, as of last Sunday was owned in t- less than 20% of leagues, is now almost 60% of leagues. Um, just curious on, on what your thoughts are for him as far as like ad, drop, whatever. He does, he is eligible for outfield, first base, and second base, which is a pretty unique uh, setup in fantasy leagues to be able to play that guy in those places. Derek Dietrich has been hitting... Oh, he's been swinging a hot bat lately. Um, hot I bat. I do believe he plays for Cincinnati. The, the Reds. Yep. Yeah, and and they actually, as a team, have been have been coming on as of late. Uh, I'm I'm actually a huge fan of their closer. I should have thrown his name in the, the MLB <laughs> trends, but um, Dietrich Dietrich's going to be swinging a hot bat for. It's just there's. Baseball is a game of runs like yeah. basketball where you get hot and you get cold sometimes. And I, I think this is going to be a little short period for Dietrich mm-hmm. where he's hot like Yasiel Puig was a couple weeks ago where he's now in the top 25 of the outfield um, position, positionally ranked. Yeah. Um, I think Dietrich will get a, you know boost his numbers up a little yeah. bit, but he's not, he's not somebody that I'm looking at as like a keeper or, right. or somebody that I'm trading for or anything like that. Just let that person ride it out. Yeah. Um, or or add him if you can, and and write it out as long as you can. Yeah. Because and then and feel free to drop him once you find somebody else that has a hot bat. Nice. Uh, another guy uh, plays for Atlanta, the Braves, Austin Riley. Uh, so he's a third baseman outfielder. Uh, you guys will notice I like players that can play kind of multiple positions, uh, especially if I'm like mid season adding dropping guys. The guys I'm looking to add are guys that can fill potentially multiple. Uh, spots and Austin Riley's up 24 points. Uh, he's over 75% of leagues now, uh, which means that if you don't have him already, you might not be able to get him. Uh, but just your thoughts on uh, potentially looking to acquire a guy like that, or are you trying to ship him off if you have him in your roster? Absolutely not. Do not ship this guy off. This guy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy is the reason why he's being added in so many leagues is because he's so young and mm. he, he, like you said, he's versatile. He can play outfield and third. Which that's infield and outfield. You yep. want, uh, yeah. Those what else do you need? You want him to pitch too and yeah. catch. All right, like, <laughs> sweet. Let's do it. No, this kid is. I mean, he's gonna be uh, for this organization. They view him as a Chipper Jones kind of guy. Awesome. Uh, he's he has the power to be able to do that. Since he's been called up and 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 playing for the Braves, he's batting three oh seven. All right, he has nine <laughs> home runs already. And 26 RBIs. This kid is already somebody who is contributing to this team, and he's going to contribute for a very, very long time. If you can jump on this kid somewhere, some way, somehow, do it. Awesome. And then my last one that's on the ad list, uh, he plays for Baltimore, and I'm probably going to mess this up, uh, Renato Nunez. Um, he is third baseman in DH, which is kind of like a weird um, little combo there. We don't do have a DH in our league. But as of last Sunday, he was in 4.5% of leagues. He's up basically 19 points uh, this week. And, um, you know, it, a lot of times, like you said, it's streaky. And he's uh, he's been a little streaky lately. And um, 
He has some negative games in there and then one kind of big one uh, recently. But just curious, maybe why you think people are adding him so much and is he somebody that you'd be looking to add? The reason why they're adding this guy so much is because he hits bombs. This guy literally just hits home runs. Uh, he had, what was it, his home run spree, eight home runs in 12 games. Damn. Which, uh, that's, you're talking about swinging a hot yeah. bat, he has a very hot bat. That's <laughs> the reason why people are adding this guy. But, like David said, um, like David said, he's awfully streaky. Um, he's, he's 15 for 37 with nine extra base hits in his last, you know, 10 games. Uh, he's, he, but overall, he's hitting 249. He's got 15 home runs besides that. He, he has 205 at-bats, so he's getting the opportunities. I just feel like this is one of those hot streaks right now where nice. he's just he's gripping the ball, seeing the ball really well, and and he's not another one that you should just ride out. Right. Yep. And then so I have one one guy. We talked about him a month ago, and uh, he just keeps not getting added. He keeps getting getting dropped. Uh, Franco over for for Philly. Um, I mean, he's down basically only owned in half of leagues now. Uh, it it just seems out of character a little bit. For him, um, curious what your thoughts are on why he's kind of in this slump, um, and and how you would feel like if he if he was on your team, potentially what would you be trying to do with him right now? I mean, I was the one that said that you should be trying to acquire him at that point because because that he was on such a good offense, like mm-hmm. the Phillies' offense is just so potent. But then they suffered uh, Odubel Herrera getting in some legal trouble and he's been suspended from the team and from from games uh, for about a month now and and I I think that just put a little bit more pressure on Franco Mm -hmm. and he's still young I mean like he he just he they're expecting Bryce Harper to step up and they're expecting you know uh, Hoskins to to step up and Franco was supposed to be one of those guys that was able to do that too he's just Odubel Herrera was supposed to take some of the outfield pressure off right. of the infield, and now that Odubel's not out at center, and that you just have Bryce in right, you, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on the infield. Mm. There's a lot more going on, and so I I feel like he's somebody that I'm still gonna hang on to, right? Um, and just hope that he turns it around. Uh, it's a long season. Baseball's a long, a long game. It, it is. And today he went one for three. He ha- he has a run, so he scored today. That means he went around all four bases. He yep. he literally crossed home plate as a <laughs> run. So that I mean that maybe that charges him. Maybe that gets him pumped up. Maybe that gets him. Uh, maybe that gets him going for the rest of the year. Awesome, sweet. Uh, that that's kind of the the fifteen ish minutes that we that we set up here for fantasy baseball uh, if you guys have questions players on your roster feel free to email those in to us uh, at breakfast with the boys at gmail.com uh, we'll answer those in our next uh, podcast we're going to take our second break here when we come back uh, probably one of our favorite topics we're going to talk about some fantasy wide receivers for 2019 Woo! welcome back to breakfast with the boys we're going to talk about some top fantasy wide receivers now uh, so what we're going to do is everybody's just going to go through their top 10 list. We'll have a little bit of discussion about who all's in our top 10. Then we'll talk about two mid-tier guys, 
two sleepers. I have a little bit of discussion about them as well. So to kick it off, top 10 list, uh, doing what we always do. Alex, hit it up. Let's go. All right, my top 10 goes a little something like this. I got number one, Michael Thomas. Number two, Antonio Brown. Number three, DeAndre New Hopkins. Number four, T.Y. Hilton. Surprise, surprise. Made the top five right there. Juju Smith-Schuster at number five. Julio Jones at six. Devontae Adams at seven. Keenan Allen at eight. Amari Cooper at nine. And OBJ at ten. Wow. Okay. Go on. All right, so uh, I'm going to go with my top 10. I'm going to start off with Devontae Adams, going to New Hopkins. T.Y. Hilton's my number three. Mike Evans with Jamius are going to be that number four spot. Antonio Brown rounding out my top five. His old teammate Juju being my six. Uh, seven, I've got Michael Thomas. At number eight, I got Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, at number nine, I got A.J. Green. Watch out for that one. And at number 10, I end off with Julio Jones, who I wanted to put higher on this list. I just couldn't do it. That's fair. Uh, in in order, uh, number one, DeAndre Hopkins. Number two, Devontae Adams. Number three, Michael Thomas. Number four, Odell Beckham. Number five, Julio Jones. Number six, Mike Evans. Number seven, Juju the Smith. Number eight, Antonio Brown. Number nine, and number 10 and 11 were difficult to order for me, but I went Keenan Allen at 9 and A.J. Green at 10. T.Y. Hilton was definitely in that mix, but I, I went with him at 11. Yep. So uh, my top 10, my first two are the same as Stevens, Devontae Adams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Put Julio Jones at 3rd, Michael Thomas at 4, Juju Smith got my top 5, Antonio Brown at 6, Mike Evans at 7, ODB at 8, Keenan Allen at 9, and Adam Thielen sneaks into number 10. So, so thoughts, thoughts, wow. on pe- thoughts on people's top tens. I just, I want to start off. I have first qu- dibs. First question, <laughs> dibs. Why do both you, Drew and Steven, have AJ Green in your top ten? Uh, you got Andy Dalton throwing you the ball. You got Joe. Mitchell that hasn't in the been backfield. a problem before. You got Marvin Lewis out of there. Yeah. So you just believe that all of a sudden they're going to be back five years ago? And my ho- again? my hope what? is that they they if right AJ Green can stay. Healthy, which hasn't been a huge issue, but he did end with an injury last year. Uh, stay healthy. My hope is that with Marvin Lewis out and Zach Taylor in, they incorporate more pieces of the offense so A.J. Green's not the only thing defenses have to worry about. Currently, or not currently, but previously, A.J. Green's been the only thing defenses really have to worry about, give or take you know, John Ross or Tyler Eifert when he's healthy, if, when, who knows what. Tyler Boyd. Ty- Tyler Boyd occasionally. But A.J. Green's been the main focal point. I'm hoping with a new uh, head coach in there, maybe they can kind of you know freshen things up uh, in that offense. And A.J. Green is always going to be a top receiver. With, I mean, not I don't, in some people's case, he's not in the top 10. But no one's going to hear say he's not a top receiver. He's a great receiver. He, I think, uh, having more... Options on that team gives him, right, more more ability to score. I just think I'm a little bit upset with the disrespect of T. Y. Hilton. I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> I know just saying. I know you are. And don't get me wrong. I was I was really torn between Keenan Allen and A. J. Green, who have injury history, and T. Y. Hilton, who doesn't have a lot of injury history, but he has a lot of problems with. Not he doesn't have problems, but right, we lost a whole great a possible great year of him with Andrew Luck being out for that year. Right. And now he's got he's got other receivers and tight ends on that team what that they is, incorporate a lot. What it is with T Y is the 
only thing that T.Y. Hilton has missed in his career is touchdowns. He That's has literally, but you can't you can't say that doesn't make you a top ten. Look at Julio Jones. I was exactly, not you can't exactly. say that. So I mean, you can't say that. Saying, but what I'm saying yes. is based on. Two weeks ago's predictions of our quarterback rankings, and since I had Andrew Luck so high, I have to have T.Y. high because I feel like T.Y., just like Julio last year who had eight touchdowns, Julio had eight touchdowns last year, I feel like T.Y. could definitely get eight touchdowns this year, ten touchdowns. If if he breaks away, that guy's gone. He yeah. does, I and I, I just don't see him having the yards Julio had. Julio had monster fucking yards last year, and I just don't see T.Y. having those yards. And again, they have a lot of options on that team. Uh, Ebron had a kind of a, like a wow year last year. I don't True. think I don't think he repeats that. But even if he gets close to it, that's that's a, a outsource of, of targets, right? And, and and points and yards and all the but all the BS. You add you add uh, uh, well Campbell, but uh, uh, Funches. I don't think Funches is going to take a lot. But he he's like a. It's tight. Mon- he's like he's like a tight end playing wide receiver. Moncrief Funches. It's like yeah, yeah. It's yep, literally, yep, there's an yep. equal sign in between the two I, of them because they're the same. I player. agree. Yeah. My, my question for you, Drew, is you're using the argument against Ty Hilton that you just used for AJ Green. So where, like, what's the difference? <laughs> like, I, aren't you saying AJ Green's gonna have a big year because he's got more options? And now you're saying Ty Hilton's not gonna have a big year. That's he why. Has too many options? That's why they're in the exact same bracket. Well, not necessarily bracket, but I had a hard time putting one of them ahead yep. of the other. Uh, mine is that AJ Green is more proven. And I will say, so like T.Y. didn't make my top 10, and AJ Green didn't make my top 10 either. The reason I would put AJ Green in my top 10 before I would put T.Y. is that defense and the run game in Indianapolis. I was lower on Andrew Luck than pretty much most of you guys were. I'm lower on T.Y. Hilton. Not any disrespect towards Andrew Luck or T.Y. Hilton, but I think potentially for the first time in the Colts for you know, our kind of, since Peyton Manning days, basically, right. or even before then, Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, I don't think we'll have to carry that team. That defense is young, they're athletic, they're good. I think that you'll see the Colts entering the second half of games in the lead more often than in the back. And I think a lot of Andrew Luck, a lot of T.Y. Hilton's fantasy production has come from the fact that they've had to been kind of chasing down leads at the end of games. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to play good defense. And I think from a fantasy perspective, it drops Andrew Luck a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised to see T.Y. in the top 10. He probably lands at 12 or 13 for me. Like, he's right there. I just think it's – as much as it's about players on that offense, I think that defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. And Andrew Luck is going to have to throw it 45 times every single game to keep them in there. I love that, analyst. And speaking of defense, that's exactly why A.J. Green is in is in my top ten. Yeah. Because that defense is garbage. Yep, and they're the Cincinnati Bengals are garbage. They're going to be the – but their offense is going to be fun to watch. Let me tell you right now, Zach Taylor is a huge offensive coordinator, and, and, uh, and that's what he's going to bring to the table. I know he's a head coach, but he's an offensive coordinator. And he is going to use A.J. Green the right way. He's going to use Joe Mixon the right way, Bernard, and they're going to – that's why he's in my top ten. But he's number nine in my top ten, right? So he's not like I'm saying he's the third – third fantasy relevant guy, but because that defense is gonna be garbage giving up forty five points a game, you gotta throw the ball. You guys said it better than I did, but you're saying the same thing I did. Yeah, I I, exactly. I have AJ Green at ten, not not seven or eight, but um but you know, I I that's that's kind of where I'm sitting on that one. Yeah. And so, uh, that was like that's I think Steve and I are having maybe the same thought. I don't know, but uh, one of Alex's picks did surprise me and he pointed it out to me. And I'm just gonna 
be slightly skeptical here. And Antonio Brown at number two, um, I realized that everybody all of a sudden is like, oh my gosh, like Oakland is going to be great. And Derek Carr is going to be able to like hit receivers with footballs better than he's ever done it. And Antonio Brown's going to come over to Oakland and still be one of the top receivers, even though he's in a different offense with different players and he doesn't have Big Ben. And at number two, (laughs) that that seems like I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I love Big Ben. I'm also not going to pretend like Big Ben and Derek Carr are similar quality quarterbacks, in my opinion. I think so. While he does have Antonio Brown at number two, I have Antonio Brown at five. So it's not that big of a jump from five to two. I have uh, what I have more of an issue with, and I take issue a lot with this because I hate the Cowboys. Their offense, at least. Yeah, but is is Amari Cooper at Alex, nine? Are you Alex, kidding me? Alex right is, now? Alex, at is nine? Alex has loved Amari Cooper forever. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Literally ever. Literally, Alex has loved Amari Cooper since the day that dude was born. <laughs> he's, like, he's he been... literally came out of the womb, and Alex was like, "I love this guy. He's a fantastic receiver." Alex has always been higher on Amari Cooper than literally anybody else on the planet. So I'm not surprised to see. He's him been a- he's been asking me for my Amari Cooper. Uh, fucking Pat's rookie card for like ever since I can remember for a year. And yeah. you know what's sad is that I loved Amari Cooper, and then he went to Dallas, and now I'm supposed to hate him. And I'm like, God, Amari. But nah, I'll put him up to nine in my fantasy ranks. Yeah. So just, like, no, no, I'm not gonna. Love, and I'll explain that because Jason Witten is back now, and I know. Oh my God, oh Jason Witten's back now. Yes, but what it does is it distracts people. Like I said with the Kevin Durant argument, as soon as Jason Witten comes back into the lineup, you have to guard the guy. You have to guard him. So, so Amari Cooper, since he got traded to Dallas, was definitely a top 10 receiver. It, I do agree with that. Well, I think is even, this is actually for your argument, <laughs> even though I do not think he's a top 10 quarterback because that offense is a top 10 receiver because he that offense is run, 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 run. Yeah. Oh, did I mention we're going to run again? Um, but it's the Randall Cobb edition that I think is even better for the Cowboys. Oh, because the same thing, you have to cover Randall Cobb. Whether you like him or don't like him, Randall Cobb is out there. You can't not cover the dude. Because even if he runs a 6-5-40 on one leg, if you don't cover God. him, Randall Cobb will catch the ball. He'll do it. Like, that's one thing he's always been good at. He'll catch the ball. So if you don't cover him, he'll catch it. You have to cover him, which gives Amari Cooper opportunity. I just don't and get I still it. don't think he's what's a top it, 10 receiver. Wasn't it, wasn't it it's Randall it's, Cobb that pissed off the Green Bay Packers because of that? That that punt return and they didn't want him to take it or something. And, no, that was oh. Trevor Davis. No, that was, was that t- yeah, <laughs> it was Trevor Davis. Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Montgomery. Ty Montgomery. Well, that's Montgomery. why he got yeah. cut. Yeah. That's why he got cut immediately because right. he took that punt return. They said no, just take it. He's like, fuck no, you. But, I'm not no, taking it. No, but you're right. But but what I'm saying is, it's great if Randall Cobb catches the four targets that he gets and catches all four of them. That's sick. <laughs> but Amari Cooper is going to get 19 targets. No, he's a game. not. The Cowboys don't even throw the ball 19 times. <laughs> <a game>. Like <laughs> literally. <laughs> Literally, I, I'm on your side. I have Amari Cooper in my top 15, but he's not in my top 10. Right, I just think, I think, oh, like the de- like Steven said, <laughs> Dallas's offense is literally like run the ball, run the ball, and when you think we're gonna throw, we're gonna run it again. And if you didn't catch the memo, we're gonna run it again. Oh like, wait, and here's a pass to Zeke. Like Dak was like the number 20 fantasy quarterback last year. Tw- the 20th fantasy quarterback rarely produces. Elite level receivers. It just doesn't happen. He does have like one of the higher passing ratings, and that's great when you throw like four times. Five passes in a game. <laughs> yeah, he was literally great. fantasy football's number nine wide receiver from week nine on. 
since he got traded to Dallas from Oakland. That's because people were surprised they were throwing the ball a little bit. They and won't be a surprise next year. He has so many. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Dallas went from that offense that was that was run, 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 to finally to an offense that's like run, pass the ball to Amari Cooper, run, pass run, the ball run, to run. Amari Cooper, pass, run, pass, run, run. run. Exactly. So Enter the cheat code. He's getting, I mean, he's ca- he caught a career high 71% of his targets and averaged a career best 9.5 yards per target last year. So he is running routes down the field, catching the ball he's 25 years old i just believe that this kid from alabama he's got saban's tutelage in his blood i feel like this kid is going to be again from week nine on like he was and i will say for those nine weeks he was really great at catching the football and those were basically the only nine weeks he's been good at catching a football his entire career he does have a lot of drops in his career i'm just just a lot of like concentration issues i don't trust the, the combination of his hands Dak throwing the ball and that offensive scheme, I would not trust him for a top 10 receiver. Hey, I slid him at nine. It's not like I put him at two. <laughs> He's at nine. Right, so we, we could talk about the top 10 forever, obviously. We could also just um, spank Alex forever. <laughs> let's but just let's we, I'll, 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 I'll Jeffrey on that list. <laughs> <laughs> he was number 11. Okay? <laughs> All, All right. right. So, talking about some, some, mid, some, mid, some mid-tier guys here. Um, Alex... Um, I know that we've kind of been shitting on you, and uh, sorry, not sorry, but uh, who are your kind of two mid-tier guys you're thinking about? Well, my two mid-tier guys, the first one is going to be Mike Williams uh, from, okay. the Los, from the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it's not a huge surprise, but he is a mid-tier yeah. guy. He's yeah, not a sure. top 10 receiver. He's yep. a mid-tier guy. Yep. Tyrell's out now. Tyrell is out. That was my first point. He also averaged 15.4 yards per reception last year. This mm-hmm. guy moves down the field. He mm-hmm. catches the ball. He had... 10 touchdowns on 66 targets. Dang. 66 targets and 10 of those targets were touchdowns. touchdowns, which is insane. And to make it even more insane, he was the number one receiver last year for first downs for his team. He had a 44% first down, like every 44% of his catches were for first downs. Mm-hmm. This guy is, he hasn't been healthy. I understand that coming out of college, he had that health concern issue mm-hmm. and kind of got a little bit dinged up in other areas of his body uh, being a pro. But last year, with that with that, that 10 touchdowns, he has me sold. Yep. This guy's huge. He comes from wide receiver U, Clemson, just saying. New Hopkins, Mike Williams. Well, I mean, those two, all, that's all I need to say. There's plenty more. Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Well, yeah, exactly. There's plenty more, that, but those two are the only ones that I need to say. Uh, my second one in the mid-tier list is actually Anthony Miller. It's a surprise for Chicago. Uh, he had seven touchdowns in 15 games last year, and I know they drafted Riley Ridley. This, they drafted Riley Ridley because they got lucky and he fell that far. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm. What it is is that's just another mouth for Matt Nagy to feed. I get that. He also has, you know, Allen Robinson and and Taylor Gabriel there that are competing for targets. Taylor Gabriel had 67 targets or 67 catches last year, excuse me. Um, I feel like that number is going down for sure. Mm-hmm. Taylor Gabriel can easily be replaced by Anthony Miller depending on how they play in camp, obviously. Right. I feel like Anthony Miller's talent out of Memphis, this kid he he can just he can catch the he's in the right place at the right time. That's why he has seven touchdowns in 15 games. Like he just right. and he didn't have very many catches last year, yeah. but most of them most of his catches were for touchdowns. I just yeah. feel like he, he can really step his game up one more level. He's yeah. very fluid in his routes is something I love about him. 
you former punt returner mm-hmm. from Memphis. That's what the, those fluid hits. Yep. He can literally run routes just beautifully. And you Steve, definitely see that. Stephen, who you got in your mids? Well, I actually, uh, actually have Mike Williams in my mid as well. Um, I think he is, especially with the Terrell Williams leaving, Keenan Allen with his health concerns, this guy could end up being a top 10 receiver this year. I really believe that. Um, but I love his talent, and I love Phillip Rivers. So that is where I went. My second guy is a guy who's coming off an injury. That's Cooper Cup. Nice. Uh, before his injury, yeah. he was the guy with the Rams in a potent offense yeah, that was. likes to throw the ball a lot. Cooper Cup is going to come back from his injury. It's not that bad, and he's, he's going to be ready for game one, and he's going to put up a great season. You got Brandon Cooks there, though. Yeah, I, I agree. They had Brandon him there Cooks, last year, too. They though. had him there last year, and Brandon Cooks didn't eat up that many touches. Yep. You know, this team is very plausible. You could have the Rams could have three 1,000 yard receivers this year. The, and, that, and that's where they were going last year, too. And you're, and you're right. Like, you're right. He didn't eat up that many targets. I guess what I'm saying is the targets that Brandon Cooks did get were so, like, he caught all of those targets and probably had two house calls. Yeah. Like, like he, yeah, they're gonna get, have to get back in the motion of not giving. And, and you're right with that three receiver: Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Cooks. That they all can run routes. Yep. That's what they are really, really good at. And but, so, yeah, I, I agree with the three thousand yard receivers. That'd be great for Jared Goff. It, it reminds me of uh, if you guys remember if the Arizona Cardinals with Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald, yeah. and I uh, can't remember the third receiver. Is it Steve Breston, I believe? Something like that. Yeah, something. something like that. They had three 1,000-yard receivers, and that was a great offense with Palmer out there. Um, this this offense reminds me slightly of that, but even an upgraded version of that, except with the lack of a Larry Fitzgerald. But that's where I think Cooper Cup fits in beautifully yeah. in that in that mold. Uh, Brandon Cooks is a burner. He's going to be on the outside. Yes, his tree, route-running tree, is very large. But Cooper Cup was the guy when he was healthy. Yep. Him and Jerry Goff have a connection. They came in together. I really believe they're going to get back to that. To, he's going to be – he could be a number one receiver, especially with Brandon Cooks' health concerns. And Robert Woods, who's they both have been injured before. Yep. I could really see – and I, don't get, I get it. Cup's coming off an injury, so you could yep. say the same thing about him. I just believe Cooper Cup, if you can see him in the mid-rounds, steal that boy. Yep. I hate to say this, too, because I actually have Brandon Cooks as one of my keepers. But I feel like Brandon Cooks' Super Bowl performance could have put something in Jared Goff's mind. Like, man, this guy can't catch the ball in big moments. I have to throw it to Cooper. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, you're, you may be right. Yeah. You may be right. All we'll right, see. Drew. You convinced who's, me. Who's your mid-round guys, Drew? Uh, I got uh, DJ Moore is one of them, and Jamison Crowder is the other one. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so DJ Moore and... Uh, Carolina? That DJ Moore. Um, that one, yeah. Right. So I know it's 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 you know if we can get Cam Newton healthy and throwing the ball, which we have yet to see. And again, this is what is this uh, June 9th, So things could change. But I like DJ Moore's spot. I like what he has. I like what he can do. Right, he's a big body receiver on a team that needs a number one. Don't have you know they got Olsen Olsen there at tight end. Is I mean who knows what's going on with that? They need help. They they do. They're they're and their running back game is. On point. It is. It involves a lot of passes, too. And yes. so I, I think if DJ Moore can step up into that role, he, he started, I think, he started being uh, he's, he started being a starter at like week seven or eight last year, and he never stopped from there. Now, the one downside on him is that uh, Curtis Samuel had statistically a slightly better year than him, just slightly better than him. Uh, but... 
that will be his only headway is trying to battle for that one. But DJ Moore, he's he's a bigger presence is what he is than Curtis Samuel. So I think I think if they establish that one and that two, I think DJ Moore could really value you some points, See, especially if you're getting him in that. He uh, just he just seems more of a sleeper to me, you know. That's, and uh, and I think you're right on point with what you think about him, though. I just think in a mid rounds I wouldn't right. take him. It would have to be lower for me. And. And and I'm just saying that all of his production is based on Cam Newton. It is, and, and, and that's, I do not trust that guy. He's a mid tier guy. He's a mid tier guy for me, and and I don't I don't like the Cam Newton situation. But we've also seen Cam Newton come out and throw the ball, and and he's gotten it done. Uh, my second one is Jameson Crowder. I'll make it quick. He's just he's a good slot receiver on the on the team that features slot receivers nonstop. Yeah. Uh, look at the last two slot receivers with uh Quin- with uh, Quincy Nunua and uh, Curse. And they both had they both had great great four week to six week productions. Uh, and Sam Darnold has shown that he loves the slot receivers. So I won't go too much into it. I know we're short on time. I but go on. I do also believe Sam Darnold is going to have a great sophomore season. So I do like that pick a lot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So my my mid tier guys. Uh, one is uh, actually Jarvis Landry. Um, I think as a he's he's going as a mid tier kind of guy right now. Um, and on that offense, you're not going to be able to really double-team anybody. And if you are going to double-team, you're probably double-teaming OBJ, which I think will open up Jarvis Landry. Like, if he's your wide receiver, too, I think you're doing really well. Uh, really the other well. guy, mm-hmm. yeah, the other guy that's going in, like, the 20s right now is Tyler Lockett, mm. um, who we kind of talked about when we were talking about Russell Wilson a couple weeks ago. But somebody has to catch the balls in Seattle. Somebody has to. And Tyler Lockett could be the guy. And it wouldn't be a surprise to see Tyler Lockett, I mean, even end up in, like, the top 15. I mean, sorry. you do have DK there. Yeah, but rookie re- rookie receivers, historically, right. especially rookie receivers that are built like DK Metcalf that aren't route specialists mm-hmm. in college, it takes them some time. You're right. And Plus, I mean, if Russell's going to throw for 3,500 yards, I'm, yeah. there's, there's, there's not that many mouths to feed yeah. Seattle. Let's be quite real sure. here. Yep. All right, so let's go quick. Everybody, just just two sleepers. Um, you know, maybe name in a in a little kind of quick snippet. But uh, Alex, who are your two sleepers? My two sleepers are going to be my number one sleeper is James Washington. I mean, that guy's taking over the Juju Smith-Schuster role in Pittsburgh next year because Juju's taking over the Antonio Brown role in Pittsburgh next year. James Washington is a three-year, thousand-yard receiver out of Oklahoma State. I know he had a rough year last year, but his his junior and senior year at Oklahoma State. He had 74 catches and 71 catches, uh, respectively, 1,549 yards and 1,380 yards, respectively, and then 13 touchdowns and 10 touchdowns. In college football, that says a lot at the receiver position. If you can just consistently be great, and three 1,000-yard seasons, to me, says that he can beat those guys, these corners that are in the NFL. Cortland Sutton, I mean, he's going to be the number one receiver just because... Uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders went down like yeah. week 11 last year with that injury and so he's going to have opportunities for Flacco uh, yeah. and him to, to connect downfield. I feel like he has a great opportunity to be a great number one receiver. Agreed. Uh, so my two sleepers are uh, uh, one kind of piggybacking off of uh, James Washington is uh, Dante Johnson, who they uh, Steelers drafted in the third round out of Toledo. I think he will, in fact, fill that number two wide receiver spot, not James Washington. Um, but it's just a matter of who do you think is going to fill that spot. Yeah. That's why they're sleepers. Uh, the other guy is uh, someone near and dear to my heart out of New England, and that's going to be Keneal Harry. 
Uh, he is going to, yes, that offense is very hard to grasp, and I understand that. But this kid's smart. He's putting in the work. We've already seen him and Tom Brady get together multiple times during this offseason just to hang out and get to know each other. Um, I really believe he is a guy that can put up a thousand yards in that offense, which can sometimes be hard because we don't we see how many mouths they have to feed there. But he's a sleeper. That's why yep. he's there. I mean it's been noted in our league in our friend group that Nikhil Harry's been my favorite receiver out of college two years ago. Yeah. And the fact that he landed in New England, A hurts my heart, but B, <laughs> fantasy football wise, it makes my mouth water. Yeah. I mean this guy he has the he has the ability to be the Randy Moss in that op, in that mm-hmm. offense of a couple of years ago when Randy Moss scored 25 touchdowns. I feel like Nikhil Harry has the ability to be that guy kind of guy in that offense. See? Scoring touchdowns, catching the ball from Tom Brady deep down the field. That's there. That's that's where he goes. I think he just fills that need for a big body that uh, that that Gronk left. Um, I he doesn't have that speed that Randy Moss has. While I get where you're coming from on Randy Moss's production side of things, um, I think he's going to be utilized as more of an Aaron Hernandez. I get not as big, but couldn't be used more in the slot and on the out. Yeah, he's not that fast. He's not going to be used on the outside. I don't believe that's where we're going to use him. No, he's a big guy. He, yeah. he's going to out. He's going to box people yeah, out and catch exactly. touchdowns. He's like I be... said, 25 touchdowns for Randy Moss. I feel similar. Like he, nah, well, 25 touchdowns is a lot. That's a record. But I'm just saying, he he could get you know Absolutely. 11 to 15. Absolutely, Drew. Who's your sleepers, buddy? Uh, so not as exciting. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's how. Good I'm sleep. Yeah, I'm about I to fall talking. asleep when that's, you're talking about this right now. That's how it goes, man. They um, call it a sleeper. That's right. Uh, uh, Zay Jones at number one, and Traquan Smith at number two. Why so, is Zay Jones? He's uh, in Buffalo. Yeah, man. With a somebody guy, has to catch a guy who's got a cannon, and he's at and he's at Buffalo. So, like David said, somebody has to catch that ball. They need a number one. You don't think they're going to run the ball more with your boy Frank Gore? No, dude. Frank Gore is forty. Frank, Frank Gore is done. T.J. Yeldon, T.J. Yeldon is the one that might do it, and then the guy they drafted. But you still need to throw the ball. You Why did they go so running back? You can't run the ball a hundred percent of the game. Yep. Anyway, I'll. I'll save the details for later, but I think Zay Jones has what it takes to be the number one there with a quarterback that's got a great arm. He can he's got great route running at that uh, in the deep section. He doesn't really run a whole lot of shorter routes, uh, but that's not that's not what Josh Allen throws. He's just sure. burned me for the past two seasons. I'm bigger <clears throat> on him. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then uh, Traquan Smith, we saw what he did last year. Uh, you know he he's on a great team, being the Saints, uh, a great offense. We do have to worry about what's going on at quarterback, who's throwing the ball. I and we do have Michael Thomas there, uh, but like you guys have said multiple times today, uh, when wouldn't you want the number two receiver? And now I know he's not there yet. Uh, but if he beats out Cameron Meredith, beats out Ted Ginn, and, and Ginn is the one he has to beat. You don't have to really beat Cameron Meredith; he really beat himself with the injuries. But but. Ginn's the one he has to beat, and while Ginn was injured for those it was like six or eight weeks or whatever last year, uh, Traquan was in and played great. That was his flash. Like he literally had a flash of like a few weeks, and that was it when Ginn was out, and he played great. And I and I don't think you know they're not gonna try and rush him in, and they're not gonna knock out Ginn for him. But it but if it well, again this is early in the season, we'll see how training camp goes, we'll see how preseason goes. But I I feel like if Traquan Smith can get in there, and he's a tall guy, he's like six two, he's Two two twenty or something like that. Um, he he's a good receiver on that team. I just have one real quick question. Yeah. How did Dante Pettis not end up on your list, brother? <laughs> he would he would have, but I don't see him as a late round, and he's definitely in the mid round. But I don't think I need to explain it. <laughs> so the love is there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I I had a better reason to explain Crowder and DJ more than Dante Pettis, Fair but enough. he's definitely Dante Pettis is closer to the 
top half than it is the bottom half. Fair enough. The love is there. Yeah, love's love, there. It's no I love way. you, Dante. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for me, I had Corlin Sutton, um, like nice. Alex did. I mean, again, like if you're talking about sleepers, you're talking about the guy who's going to be the number one team, even for a bad NFL offense. I'll still take the number one receiver at a place like that. I don't trust Joe Flacco, but as a sleeper, would love a guy like Cortland, Cort, Cortland Sutton. And then my other sleeper uh, is Geronimo Allison. I think somebody somebody has to be the number two guy uh, for Green Bay, and um, I think Geronimo could be one of one of those guys. I mean, Rodgers for the most part has carried two fantasy relevant receivers through most of his career, and I think Geronimo Allison is going to step into that. Uh, number two role for them. Well, why versus the other receivers that they've drafted over the couple of years? What, what, what like, do you think separates like him? Like St. Brown, yeah. Marquez Valdez, yeah. Scantling. And I think it's because I, it's because last year in the very, where like after the first couple of weeks, Geronimo Allison actually did, if you look at the numbers, step into that number two role for a handful of weeks before he went down with an injury. So I just think, I think he, he kind of showed the ability to do that. If he's healthy, I think he like he kind of already like he's there. He's, I, he's, I, I think he's proven it. Yeah. I, I agree with you because him and uh, Equitas Sam Brown were on the field at the same time for those weeks. Yeah. And and Valdez. And they just fed Geronimo. And then yep. the injury happened and then they kinda went towards Valdez as opposed to Equitas and but and, and that was a whole deal for fantasy players. But uh It's just funny because Geronimo Allison has such good size like height, weight, speed. He's such a height, weight, speed yep. guy. He he should be an Oakland Raider. I mean, really. <laughs> but I agree with you that that he could step into that role of like being right behind Devontae Adams. They're similar in yep. height and weight and speed kind of guys. Um, let's just for Aaron Rodgers' sake, let's yep. hope that he can right. catch he some balls and stay healthy. Yeah, sweet. So that's that's fantasy football wide receivers, uh, top ten, a couple mid tier guys and sleepers. Uh, in closing, I just want to shout out to a couple people and a couple schools from NCAA championships uh, last week, uh, or actually ended yesterday uh, on Saturday. Arkansas won on the women's side, which I projected. Uh, that kind of race was was pretty quick because Arkansas and USC were tied on the last race, and Arkansas won, or Arkansas beat USC in the last race to take the women's title, uh, which is always cool. And then Texas Tech ran away on the men's side. Uh, beating Florida by 10 points, which uh, is quite a bit. Also, Grant Holiday from Florida broke the NCAA record in the 110 hurdles. Uh, he's the first college athlete ever to go sub-13 seconds. He ran 12.98. And then uh, girl Alex was talking about, uh, Shakari Richardson from LSU broke the 100-meter record. And what's really crazy about her is that she's a freshman. So she's 18, and she just broke the NCAA record in the 100-meter um, so she is not even at her ceiling yet. She's fierce. Um, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just shout out to a couple schools. A uh, couple players were there. It was uh, like 94 in Austin over the weekend. Huh. And the track temperature was like 105 degrees. Oh. And they were out there running, breaking records still, which is really impressive. So um, shout out to those guys. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Episode four, we really hope you enjoyed it. If you have questions, comments, feedback, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. Hit us up, breakfastwiththeboys at gmail.com. Uh, that's B-O-Y-Z. Uh, and until, until next week. I'm looking at you, E.T.